Hello and welcome to the M2 Podcast, where we cover esports news, game industry-related news, technology and innovation, and upcoming games. So it's been a hell of a week, to be honest with you guys. We found out that Razer's making a chewing gum. Twitch has ended a partnership with one of their well-known streamers. Nintendo possibly could be making a 4K-ready console. And the Xbox Series S and X got leaked online. And Microsoft, aka Xbox, had to come out and basically say, yeah, yeah, the leak is true. Before we get started with that, let's go ahead and talk about Ninja. So Ninja chose Twitch over YouTube. Now, that's kind of shocking because, well, YouTube has more viewers, potentially, a much larger user base. We're talking billions here. Google knows everything about everybody now. And they would be what you would think the ideal place to go for the long term. But Ninja chose Twitch. He signed a multi-year exclusive deal. He can only stream live on Twitch. And his reasoning was based on the community that's with Twitch and how everybody that's a Twitch streamer, they all play with each other. And they all interact and you have different communities all meshing together, and there's overlap. And I respect him for that, because he's not doing it for the money. Yeah, Ninja's certainly not doing it to get like well-known. He's the most known gamer on the planet, basically the forefront of the entire industry when it comes to live streaming. So he's definitely not doing it for that. But just like some stats that a lot of people don't know about Ninja. First off, his 15 million followers on Twitch, that's number one overall. Nobody came close. Tifu kind of came close. I think his number got up to like 8.9 million, maybe even broke 10. But the truth of the matter is, even though Ninja went and spent almost a year at Mixer, it didn't give Tifu enough time to catch up. He also has 24 million YouTube subscribers, which from a number standpoint, you would think, yeah, 24 million subs? Okay. Yeah, let's go over to YouTube and stream there. But from his perspective, and a lot of people arguing this, which makes a lot of sense, he can do double dipping. He can put out all his videos on his YouTube channel and live stream on Twitch, which is pretty, I mean, that makes sense. It's a really smart move. The other thing that I didn't know about him is he's the first gamer to have his own skin in Fortnite. He will also have a Fall Guys skin, along with Mr. Beast. They did a $1 million charity contest together. You know, for a long time, a lot of people didn't like him. I was on that bandwagon. But now I realized. He made gaming cool. Like before Ninja started doing Fortnite. And had games with Juju Smith-Schuster and Drake. And like these live streams that had like, I don't even know, like 150,000 people watching on Twitch. It was crazy. It became... He became like the forefront of what gamers were. It was like he was the face. Still is. The kid, skinny kid, purple hair, blue hair, depending on era. He would. Uh, he was also going out to like talk shows, going to Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, and just talking about gaming. And like all the different fundraisers he did for charity. I mean, pretty cool. A lot of people don't know this too. He had an entire documentary. It might have been on 
MTV VH1, one of those channels where they were doing documentaries of like up and coming uh, esports athletes, like a new segment. This man almost went blind when he was a kid. Like his retina. Somebody needs a fact check this. His retina was like coming loose or something like that when he was playing Halo Reach competitively. And he started going blind. He was getting massive migraines. So when he like went to go get checked out, they found out, oh, you might need surgery. Give him surgery. He starts like, has to go through this entire healing process. And he didn't think he was going to get his eyesight back. He thought he was only going to have like one eye vision. Dude's going to be Cyclops and not Ninja. He didn't lose his eyesight, obviously. But it definitely gave a more human aspect to him. Because for the long time he had this persona. Because I, I come from I come from like a Halo competitive background. Knowing some of the players and just the culture. Everybody disliked Ninja. They're like, his gamer tag back in the day was Ninja is hyper. It's like he was a younger kid, ADHD, wild out, crazy, kind of obnoxious. I mean, we're all young. Duh. So to hear this story is like, he's over here that almost went blind, dude. Like, that has to humble you. And the documentary did a really good job to like show, hey, he almost lost his eyesight. He he almost wouldn't be where he is today. And then I go on to find out like, he's the type of dude to go to these conferences or these conventions when all of his fans line up out the door. I mean, can't do that anymore. At least not for another year or two. There are people lining up out the door, man. Like hundreds of people waiting on him to take pictures with him and to meet him. And he was staying after hours to meet every single one of his fans. It's like, yeah, he does things that's kind of annoying. But you can't say he's a bad guy, right? I mean, hell, yeah, okay, he gets toxic every now and then, right? Don't we all? Doesn't everybody want to break their controller in half or throw their monitor? Shit, you even see Summit punches freaking monitor every once in a while. Dr. Disrespect. I mean, he's hella toxic, but he's also hella entertaining. Anyway, so good for this man. He chose Twitch. I would have chose YouTube, but I mean, I'm not in that spot. So he's with Twitch for three years, is the guess, the guess. I'm sure he's just making bank, exclusive deal, platformer. His brand is going to be bigger than ever. Even if the numbers don't show, he's still a big brand. So props to him. So second thing we got to talk about, Seeking Alpha. Seeking Alpha is a website that basically uses uh, stock evaluation. Uh, it's for financial people that really want to get into investing, and they're curious of like breakdowns. So they look at they look at industries in a very financial manner. Um, there was a recent article that was published that was saying the video game industry is soaring. Let me read some notes to you. Major video game companies are hitting record valuations despite the coronavirus. Advancements in computing technology should continue to push the gaming industry to new heights. The increasingly winner-take-all dynamic in gaming will favor large companies like Activision Blizzard and Take-Two Interactive. So before even reading the article, I'm kind of like already sort of tilted because they name Activision Blizzard. 
just because you're the biggest ones on the chain, you're the biggest ones on the block, does not mean that you're good. It means that you probably were good a long time ago, and maybe along the way you just lost what it was to be a developer and became more about marketing and business. Okay? Like, Blizzard's pretty bad about this. EA's pretty bad about this. They stopped caring about the product. It's mostly now about, like, how much money can I make off of microtransactions? Like, dude, Madden 21 is, like, the best example right now. It launches full, full of bugs. I think they have paid DLC already. Like, that's that's also insane, by the way. Releasing a game, and it has DLC with it. You have to pay for it. So stupid. You got Activision over here re-releasing re WoW Classic in a crangled mess. It's just, what are they doing? You know what I mean? The other thing that they mentioned is that the, the video game industry has shown major strengths during the pandemic. It's like, of course, everybody's home. We're kind of being forced to be home. It's socially unacceptable to go out in public right now without a mask on. And a lot of people that were playing games, they're just going to play games more. You're going to have like a lot of people, especially like push in mid thirties or even older that like grew up playing video games. Like the Atari days, Sega days is like, they still are video game addicts. They still want to play games, still want to have fun and just chill. Go on ex explorations or shooter games or whatever, right? So now they're not allowed to go in the office. Everybody's working remotely. A lot of industries have slowed down. So, yeah, the game the game industry is blowing up right now, for sure. So, for anybody that's willing to invest in these kind of companies, um, this this article basically wraps everything up with gaming stocks. So, they talk about how gaming stocks will likely continue to outperform the wider industry, especially in the near term as the coronavirus rages on. So the largest gaming companies like Activision Blizzard or Take-Two will likely take even more market share as the game development costs rise. Activision Blizzard and Take-Two are solid investments even at their respective market capitalization of $64 billion and $19 billion, respectively. That, that's what they sum it up to, but you have something like Fall Guys that's not that big of a studio. Or... or or Spellbreak right now. Spellbreak is like a small indie developer. And they're blowing up. It's... Yes, video game costs are rising. The development process does cost a lot of money. But you don't need a ton of money to make a good game. Shit, man. One of the most popular games of all time is Tetris. How difficult is that to make? Or Pac-Man. People still play that on their phone, dude. So so to say that you need to invest in a company because they're really big and they dominate the space and they can afford the development costs doesn't seem legitimate to me. If you're going to invest in anything in the gaming industry, you should invest in graphics cards like NVIDIA or AMD. Shoot, even Intel. Because the hardware needs 
to get better over and over and over again, or else they'll get left behind. VR is going to be the future. Pretty much is the future now. Futures now. Everybody has VR. Everybody wants VR. Everybody wants 4K. How do you get 4K? Oh, glad you asked. Graphics cards. You know what? That's actually a good segue into NVIDIA. All right, first and foremost, I built my dream PC. I got an RTX 2070 Super. Absolute beast. I got it on sale, and I'm a little bit bummed out right now. Dude, the new series, the 3000 series, is basically the best series of cards that you can buy. They're like 40, 50, 60% faster than their 20 series, 2000 series equivalent. Okay, so I bought an RTX 2070 Super in January. I bought it for around less than $550, new, EVGA. They're selling an RTX 3070 for $499. Comes out in October, by the way. There's also an RTX 3080, an RTX 3090. So the 3080 is going to be 699. The 3090 is going to be 1499. Nobody can afford the 1499. Most people can't afford the 699. The five hundred dollar one. It's going to be better than any RTX 2070s, 2080s, TIs included, and it's a quarter of the price for RTX 2080 TI is like twelve hundred dollars. And the RTX 3070 is going to be $500. I don't know what my next purchase should be. Should it be one of these graphics cards or should it be a 4K monitor? Because if you don't get one of, if you don't get a 4K monitor, you can't use the graphics card to what they're intended to be. Unless you're like 3D modeling and like engineering or freaking aerospace or something like that. I don't know. But the point I'm trying to get at is NVIDIA is the king of the graphics cards. And not only that, they went out and purchased ARM from SoftBank for $40 billion. Now, a lot of people don't know what that means. So, let me try to explain. So, ARM, ARM is basically a company that specializes in making mobile device processors. So, you'll find it in Apple, Samsung, Qualcomm, stuff like that. And... They're really, really necessary when it comes to, especially the way NVIDIA is probably going to use them, mobile gaming. Mobile gaming is the future. Everybody you know has a mobile game on their phone. And it's getting to the point where, I mean, like, j just take a look around us. You got PUBG Mobile coming up. You're going to have, like, I'm calling it right now, Nintendo is probably going to have all mobile games eventually. When they're over the console wars, they're going to be like, you know what? Let's just take over the entire mobile game market. So with, with NVIDIA being the leading maker of GPUs and ARM also designed them, they basically just got a bigger part of the market share, except ARM specializes in mobile devices. The thing is, is there's a line for ARM that they have for Nintendo Switch. And they also do CPU design and other mobile hardware. I mean, NVIDIA is just trying to take over the space. And they're more known for just being, essentially, like they have a hell of a gaming department and marketing department for that. 
but if you have anything for 3D modeling, Revit, stuff like that, you're going to want like an NVIDIA graphics card to be able to handle that much power, especially if the project's massive, you know? So I'm seeing a couple of different tweets, especially from Bloomberg um, writers. They're saying that SoftBank, who bought ARM in 2016, NVIDIA at that time was worth about $30 billion. Right now, they're valued at $300 billion. That is insane growth in four years. I'm terrified to even look at the stock market for NVIDIA right now. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? Now, NVIDIA pretty much wanted to have CPUs for phones like back in the day. And they kind of didn't have, they weren't successful. They kind of gave up. But with them being worth this much money and then thinking to themselves, hey, we should probably go buy ARM, see what we can do with these microprocessors, throw them in some phones. Now everybody's gaming on phones. It's like they're future-proofing themselves. So one of the things that they've been complaining about, at least in The Verge, writers are complaining. They're saying that the acquisition will face regulatory scrutiny in an environment that's less friendly to mergers than any time in recent memory. Now, we're getting to the point where, especially GPUs, you pretty much have AMD and NVIDIA. And now NVIDIA is breaking into the microprocessors to try to take up that market. Now, they, NVIDIA and ARM don't directly compete with one another. So it's not one of those things where it's a merger that can be illegal. But it's, it's one of those things that's going to be frowned upon. Honestly, when it comes to NVIDIA right now, I'm just going to be looking forward to seeing all the new PC builds and all the new frames per second people are going to be getting in 4K. I just want to see some water blocks, RGB. I mean, it's cheap. It may incentivize me to go out and get one, but I'm just going to wait. Feel out the crowd. Let them test it first, you know? And then we'll see what's going on. So let's switch the topic from NVIDIA and go over to Xbox. So <laughs> this is kind of ridiculous. The... Xbox Series X and the Xbox Series S prices and release date was leaked on Twitter. And after it got leaked, Microsoft saw this and decided to tweet in the middle of the night from the Xbox account, I think. I got to verify that the leaks were true. They said it by basically stating the leaks on their twit on their Twitter. So the Xbox Series S will cost around $300, and the Xbox Series X will cost $500. And both consoles are going to be coming out November 10th. Now, November 10th is always a good date for them. Um, that's usually around the same time when the Halo franchise would be releasing a, a game. I only remember this because I was born that week. So every time a new game or console came out, I was always like, it lines up with my birthday. This is sick, dude. No problems. Easy negotiating with the parents when I lived with them. So let me let me try to explain the breakdown between the X and the S. Okay? Because they're the worst naming I've ever seen in my life. Alright, so let me break this down between the X and the S. So, the GPU in the X is more powerful. It's also faster. 
It also has more RAM. And it'll allow you to get 4K at 60 frames per second or 8K gaming. Keep in mind, none of that matters unless you have an 8K monitor or TV. 4K too, for that matter. The X also has an SSD. It's a PCI Express slot, so an M.2. Very fast, one terabyte. There's also backwards compatibility along with the S. It'll cost more, of course, but you get more power. So the power supply unit goes up to 300 watts. The S goes only up to 250. And that's pretty much because it has a better GPU, faster RAM, and it also comes with a disk drive. So if you have Blu-ray, DVD, or ultra high def Blu-ray or whatever, it'll work for you. So with the Xbox S, you do get backwards compatibility, but you also get 1440p gaming at 60 frames per second. It's basically the budget like build. It's gonna be faster than your Xbox One. You're gonna have all your original games. It's still gonna be fast. The, the hard drive that you have is going to be 500 gigabytes. It's not going to be a terabyte. Now, if you're the type of person that thinks, oh, 500 gigabytes is plenty. Well, you got to remember, this doesn't have a disk drive. And with how they treated the Xbox One, even if you had the disk for the game, you had to download it to the hard drive. Your space is going to fill up very quickly. Most people are going to start realizing, hey, there's a lot of games coming out. I should probably get the Ultimate Game Pass or the Xbox Game Pass where you can download all the games available, which is like hundreds. Your hard drive space is going to fill up so quick. Dude, 500 gigabytes? That's only like four and a half copies of Call of Duty Warzone. Like, God forbid if you also have, geez, Halo Master Chief Collection. So two Halo Master Chief Collections is going to be on that hard drive? You kidding me? I, I'm really curious to see if how the storage devices are going to work. If you're allowed to have like a USB 3.0 SSD that you can just plug into the back of the control or back of the uh, the console, and then you can use that, so you can have this like huge brick, 50 gig tower, 50 terabyte tower for all your games. Plug it directly into the console. Download everything on the Xbox Game Pass. That's the way to do it. Otherwise, I mean, use the Xbox S as like a fancy Amazon Fire Stick that you use to just play video games on occasionally. But the truth of the matter is, I went through and I was actually doing research on all the different parts. The actual cost, if you were to build something equivalent to this for a PC, for the Xbox Series X, you're dropping like $1,300. So the fact that they're putting the price point on this thing at $500 is a steal. I mean, granted, they have like the benefit of buying in bulk, blah, 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 and like selling that way, but it's a steal, man. Like, I'm for sure going to get it eventually. I don't know when. I need more games to be on it first to make it truly worth it. But heck yeah, dude. I'll definitely do that. Move the old Xbox One into the other room, make that like the entertainment console and like the living room. Then I'm over here just in my freaking mega space station command center over here, orbiting planet Jupiter, cloud nine status over here, man. Yeah, so the truth of the matter is that like, I'm pretty excited for it. It also looks good. Now, 
I know there's a lot of PlayStation fanboys out here, but the thing looks like a white, like crazy router. Like it looks like it's trying to be space age, but it's not kind of ugly. Whereas the Xbox is just, it's a, it's a rectangle put in the corner. I don't need to see it that much. It doesn't draw too much attention and it's small, easy, easy to move, fits everywhere. It's fine. So I don't know. I, I, I think this is a total win for Xbox. I think, I think they're going to destroy it like $300 for the Xbox series S. They're going to sell so many copies. Just, they got to figure out what they're launching with. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so the S here, here's the official stats. Okay. The Xbox series S is 60% smaller than the X series X. Okay. It has a custom M.2 drive, 512 gigabytes. It's all digital, basically meaning you're going to need more storage. Forbes is claiming that it does 1440p at 120 frames per second. If it can do that, I would assume it can do 4K at 60 frames per second, but it doesn't claim that. It only claims that it does 4, 4K game upscaling and 4K media playback. So it makes your game, when, when you save gameplay, you can watch it in 4K, but you can't play it in 4K. Is that what they're saying? Because that's what it sounds like. Variable refresh rate. Okay, cool. Your your frames per second change. Hopefully for the better. Ultra ultra low latency. Dog, if you ain't got low latency in video gaming, no, I mean you're gonna be left behind, dude. So if if the November date is true, being November tenth for the consoles, you might be able to play Cyberpunk, the new Call of Duty, and Assassin's Creed. And Destiny Two is releasing beyond light expansion launches so it's not gonna it's not gonna launch empty-handed it's just a matter of if you're a fanboy and you only want exclusives like you only want call of duty or not call of duty uh gears of war or halo or or what's the other one forza forza I, I, they need a new game so hopefully that's soon but it, it seems to be the problem is like they're concentrating too much on backwards compatibility so the quality of the games have to suffer in the graphics. I hope that was the excuse for the way Halo looked infinite in that trailer. Let's assume so. But they'll eventually make the, the quality of the games better in the long run with updates because everything's digital now. Anyways, so the Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, going to be $300 and $500 respectively, and they're both supposed to be coming out November 10th, at least that's what's going on so far and we'll update you if that changes at all so there's a rumor going on right now that was on bloomberg it's on nintendolife.com and the rumor is is that nintendo is making a 4k ready console it's reported that they're asking their developers for the twitch uh switch twitch to make their games 4k ready now, apparently it's called the Switch Pro. It's been circulating around for a while now. And there's several senior analysts and journalists predicting that a new model is on the way. Most recently, we saw reports from Taiwan that a new model is in the production and will launch in 2021 alongside major software releases. Basically new apps and new games coming out. And that would be insane. Like, Switch is having on unprecedented sales right now. Nintendo's booming. 
everybody is wanting it. I think it has everything to do with uh, Animal Crossing come out. Everybody being forced to stay home. And everybody remembering, hey, Nintendo, like, those guys over there, they've been making the same game for like 15 years, but they do it right every time. They don't really steal from their customers. We should go give them our money. Now, if if they can make a 4K ready Nintendo console, that would be sick. Could you imagine playing like... <laughs> Here's the funny, ironic thing. It's like all the games that they have are cartoonish by design. And they're playful and they're like made for a younger audience. Really family friendly kind of console. So it's like their 4K stuff is not going to be hyper realistic like all these other developers are going for. Because Nintendo has their own like signature thing that they're trying to be. And you got to respect them for that. However, watching Mario or Link in Legend of Zelda in 4K, dude. Oh my god, playing Super Smash Bros. in 4K? It's going to be like, I, I can't even imagine that. That would be so sick. Now, of course, NVIDIA is involved. So, NVIDIA has this thing called DLSS. AI upscaling techniques, which basically means they're able to do um, low resolution or like, like 1080p, move it up to 1440, and then go to 4K and stuff like that, right? Basically, make the high resolution visuals with a uh, little in the way of performance hit because they have like NVIDIA Shield hardware, uh, hardware, and it's the same internal architecture as Switch. So it wouldn't be that far off to assume that this is actually happening. Now, it's, it, this is all theory, and nobody really knows for sure right now because it's, it's a very recent rumor. But let's hope it's true. I just hope they start pumping up the number of volumes that they're making for the Nintendo Switch before they go out here and start making a 4K-ready console. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just a little bit of a side note, too. The Switch is going to have Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which is basically going to be... It's basically going to be Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy, and Super Mario 64. It's going to be like the three best Super Mario games of all time. I mean, yeah, okay, there's Pyrrhus, Super Mario World, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? But Sunshine was a blast. Galaxy was mind-boggling awesome. So those three games should be coming out September 18th. Go check that game out when you get it. Or just wait until this random 4K-ready console comes out and you can play them all in 4K. All right, and the main thing we should talk about now, and I don't want to get too into drama, but this is pretty surprising. So there's a Twitch streamer named Destiny. Now, Stephen Bennell, I believe his last name is, has been on Twitch since as long as I can remember. He, he's kind of one of the OGs. He's been around for at least five years. He has a pretty big following on YouTube. Twitch, and I think even Twitter. He, he's well known. Well, uh, Twitch announced a couple of days ago that they revoked a controversial streamer. And it was Destiny. His partnership. After he made a divisive comment in a recent stream. What was, what was the comment, Michael? Oh, uh, yeah, his comment? His comment, dude? In the Twitch clip, 
He condemns the ongoing protests and riots, claiming that they need to stop, even if it required violence. Specifically, he claimed that if white nationalists started mowing down protesters in order to stop them, he personally would approve of their actions. My guy. My guy. Buddy. Buddy old pal. You shouldn't say that. Honestly, you shouldn't think it, but hey, we all grow up differently, I guess. Whatever. But the thing is, is that they didn't fully ban him. They just removed his partnership. Now, that's still a big deal, but but I believe that the reason that they didn't full-out ban him is it just removed his partnership because as a partner of Twitch, you're, you're borderline an employee. So you're, you're like, uh, you're like a hired contractor. Okay. You still, you still represent them. There's a partnership, right? So if he's over here saying these controversial things, I mean, he's always been an edgy guy. This isn't the first time he's ever done this, but when you say that, as a partner, people see that as, oh, Twitch sponsors a man that is okay with people getting run over because he doesn't, like, agree with them politically or what they're doing. Now, it's probably not the best thing to do. I'm sure he's apologized. I'm sure he understands. I, I, I bet he, I bet he's not, like, it, it is what it is, man. Just from a legal aspect. And a business aspect and a marketing aspect. You can't say that. And it's even worse because he's partnered. Because if he says that as a partner Twitch streamer, you aren't the only one that's affected. Like the other partners are affected. Because the the talk becomes oh, this Twitch streamer lost his partnership because he said something super inappropriate. Or like, they can skew everything. If they don't ban him, don't remove his partnership, it could be. Twitch supports hate speech on the platform, and then it's over. Now, it, it's it, it's also bad timing. So, we got to remember here that Twitch went on a pretty long string of bans for removing creators over facing sexual abuse allegations. And now they're trying to, re like, correct their image right so like okay we gotta take a strong stance against violent and hateful speech shoot that might even be why like dr disrespect got kicked off he was going around like antagonizing other streamers like i mean he was kind of fat shaming tim the tap man i know they're friends but you don't like is bullying the right culture? I mean, you're, I get it. Your, your name's Dr. Disrespect. But there's a line. I don't know where the line is. We're just talking about it. Now, the other thing that they've done is Twitch recently made headlines um, indefinitely suspending ex-YouTuber Leafy. Now, Leafy was suspended basically for harassing or making controversial videos on Pokemane. Now, Pokemane's a face for Twitch. And she felt compelled enough to take a break off Twitch. And that's going to like gather a lot of attention. It's like, oh, you're like most well-known streamer, like female streamer, doesn't want to be on the platform because she's getting bullied by an ex-YouTuber that just got banned by Google 
and you're letting him stream on your platform, the same one that she's always on, and they're like, oh, uh, somebody delete this man. So rip to his career. Now, I never watch this stuff, but what I get out of it, he just follows drama, and he gets really deep into the nonsense of it, like the high school bullshit of everything. It's just unfortunate overall. So I, I think what's really going on right now is you're having high-profile events happen where it's like Dr. Disrespect getting banned. Nobody really knows why. Everybody's guessing. You got, you got people like Leafy getting banned for stuff that he's done on a different platform. You got Destiny giving a matter of an opinion, but he's also saying something that's pretty violent. It, 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 it's so weird. It's like a hypothetical situation. He thinks people mowing down protesters, specifically white nationalists, according to this article, he would agree of it. Now, it's probably taken out of context, but in the scheme of things, it's like, is he encouraging or is he just making a point to say like, hey, I'm really annoyed by protesters and what they're doing with the riots. Now, I ho hopefully, hopefully Twitch gets their act together on what they're going to do with these partners and what everybody's allowed to do or say or what's within the guidelines. And I think they need to be more transparent. I think they need to like release, hey, we, we banned Dr. Disrespect because he said this, that, and the other. Hey, we banned um, one of our ex-employees because he, like the sexual abuse claims that were against him uh, came out to be true or there was enough evidence not to prove him guilty but to prove that he's probably not innocent that makes sense not guilty but not innocent so it, it's one of those things where it's really tough for the twitch legal department and i really hope it doesn't get out of hand because who knows if amazon cares enough to put up with it if it gets really out of hand where, I mean, there, there were high-level execs like losing their jobs. A lot of these guys are over here. These sexual abuse stories are bad, man. Some of them reading, is, it's too much. And, like, you have entire esports teams going down. I don't know. But at the same time, <laughs> Twitch may have gotten things wrong in the past, um, a lot of people feel so with certain streamers not getting banned when they feel like they should getting special treatment right but in the case of destiny it might not be a permanent ban or it's not even a ban really it's just a removal from your partnership so if he's no longer a partner maybe has rights to go um he's no longer exclusive to twitch Maybe he can stream on YouTube and Twitch simultaneously or some other platform that we don't know about. I mean, there are more options for him. It would just be really interesting to hear his take. I think in the future for podcasts, I'll start splicing in audio from the actual streams or from the creators themselves. I don't know.
I'll take any comments or suggestions any of you might have for this podcast. I think that wraps up episode one. You've been filled in. If you want to catch up with me on social media, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, my TikTok is all Mad Mike Will Eat You. The U is the letter U, all one word. We have a Discord community called Mad Lads where we talk about this kind of thing. I stream regularly on Twitch at Mad Mike Will Eat You, and the links should be in the description and readily available. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. Peace.